somebody please stop the world from turning and let us all get off for a while. This is Unplugged, a series of conversations with creative minds from the design industry and beyond, hosted by H&H. Buongiorno and welcome to another episode of H&H Unplugged. We have the pleasure to be here today with Mr. Alexander Lamont, speaking from his house in Bangkok. Good morning, Alexander. I'm Alex Lamont. I'm the creative director of my company, Alexander Lamont. I'm going to tell you a little bit of uh, history about what created the company and then uh, for this uh, series to just give you my perspective from a creative company in Bangkok. I grew up in Africa and the UK, but now I've spent more than half my life in Asia. And my background from a creative point of view really came from growing up in a family business where my father was a collector and dealer of folk art and antiques. And so our lives were very full of things which had their roots in traditions, in culture, um, even languages in a way. I, I did uh, my degree in London in anthropology in the School of Oriental and African Studies in Southeast Asian languages and wasn't at that point really thinking of design. Um, I, I would say when I left university that I had the sense in a way of the designer being somebody quite distant, um, sort of sitting in a room drawing and coming up with concepts. And I had felt that my travels with the family and then with the company had been so connected to people and these traditions, almost ritual and culture, that it was that aspect that came through in the objects that filled our houses. And um, so I came to start the business, not as many designers would think it's about form, it's about solution, it's about a sort of uh, um, a creation of structure. Mine was really this energy. When I started the business, which is now 20 years old, this is our celebratory 20 years, so it's fallen a bit flat at the moment this year. Um, but 20 years really working very deeply in materials that when I started the business, I could choose anything. And I thought, I'm going to look for, focus on materials, techniques, which give me this sense of character, sense of energy, some, some sort of combination of things which give us a group of materials which I thought I can spend my years and now increasingly my life um, looking at them, thinking about them, thinking about ways to make them more contemporary, to bring them to life again, even though they have like fantastic history, fantastic provenance. So that's what the company is. Alexander, is this emergency already affecting the business plan of your company? And what was your initial personal reaction to this situation? This year, we, we will, we've launched two collections a year, furniture lighting every spring, and then consecutively accessories and wall coverings every fall. And at this time, it's, it's a totally different environment from had you been talking to me six weeks ago. 
And so these questions come up about what should we be doing? What should small businesses be doing? Is there a way that within this um, chaos, we can think clearly, we can move forward, we can uh, not grab an opportunity um, because the situation is, is incredibly worrying for every size of business. I think uh, everybody is coping, um, trying to cope in a way, in different ways, survival modes. It could be a huge, huge, the bigger the business seems to be laying off more people. We're a small business. We, what we, we very much need to keep the skills that we have been building for all this time. Um, so on the one hand, my first thought outside of my business from a very personal reaction to it was, well, isn't this what I've been saying for years that can somebody please stop the world from turning and let us all get off for a while. Let's just be able to pull out of the, the sort of the ever speeding up rush, the commerce of our lives, the kind of the sense that we never have that time. But we also have this, um, this huge responsibility in, in companies for people that look to us for leadership. Um, and then we feel that there's this incredible interconnectedness. I mean, we know it. We know how the world works, but this sense that suddenly our supply lines are very fragile. Suddenly our customers are locked down and they can't receive anything. I mean, it's like we, we may have assets in the business. We may have all sorts of things it's like having a, a million dollar house, but not having a dollar. How are you going to eat today? And that's really the stress on so many businesses from sports to construction to food. You know, suddenly that daily nourishment, which is the, the cash cycle. And there are clearly places which have experienced terrible sudden shocks um, on very different scales in different places, then at what point can we start coming up? And at that point, is, are other people coming up? So it's, um, it's really this, this situation of not knowing um, where we're going exactly. I would love to give you some incredible insight into it, but uh, I'm sure you feel like me really a, a little struggling to think how do we really think in a new way given the pressure do you think that we have arrived prepared in a way or another to face this challenge through means of the technological and social developments of the last 20 years i wouldn't say particularly in my generation but i look at the millennial generation there's this there's a much uh, greater comfort level with what I would say is fragmentation in a way. This, um, the flexibility to go into a shared office space wherever you are in the world, to want to be mobile, to be able to carry your office with you, um, to feel comfortable. It's kind of a, a, a creative community, but it's not really a community. I mean, I, I feel like in this company, the values are our local community, our relationships with um, everybody who we see every day, um, the routine of the day, our kind of understanding of working together. So 
I feel quite uncomfortable in that idea of it all. If everybody in the company to be able to work from home and have as much of this distancing as possible. Um, so for some people, this may be very comfortable, this, this big change. Um, but for others, it's, it's more difficult. And uh, my, the company I was telling you about, my father ran when I was little, it was called Global Village. He always had this, it's actually called Global Village Craft. He had this view at that time, made famous by another economist also, who was um, saying, this is what's happened. There is a great convergence of what, what used to be all these locales that had very little communication between each other. It is converging more and more. And so it's, it's kind of a, this crisis could lead to many more companies feeling like they are leaner, more stronger by um, creating a workforce of independent movers who are happy to work in different units. God hope that they don't have to keep going through this sort of system, but um, to be flexible, adaptable, tougher, able to, to quickly shift. Alex, do you see any change which is going to happen related to the consumption pattern of your benchmark customers? Anybody like me who has shops has been seeing a change, particularly for the last four or five years, a real change in the, in the kind of the way the seasons work, the demographics of, of customers who used to be repeat customers, used to buy in a certain way, used to gift in a certain way. Very few retail companies are experiencing that as a continuation today. It is a very different environment on the high street. Um, everybody running shops maybe has not gone down, but they've seen a change in who their customers are, what their customers want. And custom and companies that are able to fit themselves to a online structure, which allows them to um, communicate directly with their customers to find new customers to source new markets um, is a change that must greatly increase now because anybody with shops is looking at at some point reopening at some point paying rent again with no certainty that customers are going to turn up so if you are an online business with a with a much lower um, cost base, you are probably thinking, well, I can still sell um, in the same way that I did before. Um, so certainly for our company, we're thinking that. Like we have been slow in, in going to an online place. We are working with a really luxury product. We feel that the interaction with the customer is important, that a kind of certain understanding, because most of our sales are with the trade. Um, they are professionals. They have a kind of real understanding they are a kind of repeat customers they, they're different from the retail customers if we are increasingly online and customers are increasingly confident of judging quality texture um, details through a flat screen they may do if we increase our quality of communication maybe have more video um, maybe uh, just simply 
invest more in an online structure than in a bricks and mortar. So I think for many companies that maybe were at that decision point, are we gonna go and open another shop? Good luck to them if they are. If they're thinking, are we going to instead put that money into online? Then I think that could be um, the more likely move as one of the outcomes of this experience. And they're also looking at, um, we're thinking of our customer who is mostly professional, we think um, are going to return to similar ways of working. We don't see that um, they will come back to working with clients on, on, on quite grand projects and say, we need to shortcut things. I mean, we have been uh, growing and strong by pushing up our quality of design and our quality of manufacture and all of these things. So I feel like um, that the interior design clients that we work with, we've been in very close contact since this happened. Um, they are working in quite a similar way. They're quite effectively able to work uh, off online with their clients and with continuing their projects. Where do you see the opportunity to reshape your business, uh, to get closer to a new customer, to a new market, to new needs? The, the bigger change has been on our retail side. And this is where um, certainly a, a, a greater part of our investment will be um, to give the retail client a greater sense of, of immersion into our brand greater availability of product, um, greater shipping. This would be something that we hope after this to give greater focus to, um, so that rather than considering any new bricks and mortar shop, we will be um, really trying to connect ourselves, our workshop, all of our, our values to a more of an online presence. But the difficulty is to really have that deep connection with somebody online with a luxury product. Another area that I think is going to be a focus because all of us are stuck at home um, is our home. I mean, this is a hope I have that uh, once you're locked up inside your little box, you look around and you think, I would love to, I should spend more time making this place. Uh, it, it's, it's a physical space that expresses the individual more than any other space, these personal intimate spaces. What have we got in there? What sort of stuff are we living with? Um, and I have been quite lucky growing up with a father who was so in love with objects that he collected them and he curated them and he made his spaces beautiful. And I can still close my eyes and think of being by his fire in his room with his books, with his pieces from Tibet or Africa and just feeling that there was a sort of resonance of the world, the, the humanity, the beauty of things. And I hope people come out of it thinking they want more beauty, they want more creativity, hopefully less, less copies. <laughs> um, the real thing, you know, the investment that companies make in being original, in finding new ways to do things is a struggle. It's really a uh, pioneering work so when people just knock you off um, it's a sort of 
it's a detriment to the whole creative community in a way. The last question, which is the core value that you are not willing to compromise no matter what? For a while, I, I worked for five years in Hong Kong as an antique dealer. And that was, um, and I met other antique dealers during that period. And nearly all of them would say, if you're a collector or if you are thinking about buying things, take all the money that you can put together and buy one thing. If you disperse that and you just buy little things, um, you are very unlikely to find anything of quality in that way. Anything which would, could conceivably hold its value. Um, the ideal is that these pieces are less, but they have value, they have meaning to you, they are beautiful. And with all of the things I'm making, if you wait five years, it will be more beautiful. It's a bad, it's actually a bad selling line to say, wait a hundred years, this piece will be absolutely incredible. Um, but uh, it is the case when things are really made well, with really great materials that they just grow with beauty and grace. And that's kind of a, an underlying ideal I have for working with these materials. Like if it's gonna deteriorate, if it's gonna start breaking down into my environment, if making it involves masks and everything because there's toxic dust and stuff, I don't want it, I don't want it in my life. So that's kind of a few words from me in Bangkok on this situation. Um, I, I personally am longing for the time I can go for a walk in the park. They closed the parks from today and there were few enough parks in Bangkok already. I long to sit with people without worrying, with going into a pub, watching a football game. Um, it's a horrible situation where we are literally all pulled apart from each other. Yeah. You know, I, so many things I've read about the, Second World War, you know, people pulled together. They were very close. They looked after each other. But in a situation where you have to keep separate from people. Although I think there's a lot of news of how communities around the world are really looking after coming into the community, helping each other, looking after old people, isolated people. So there'll be some, some wonderful aspects to this horror. I'm sure. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again at the end of this uh, and us having hope risen up and, and found our humanity and the precious things in our world that we may have overlooked a little in the past. Yeah. Alex, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for the very pleasant conversation and the very interesting subjects that we have touched together. I can't wait to see you in Dubai very soon and I wish you all the best and the good luck for future to your company. Bye.